Welcome to the Higher Leading Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Meyer. This is the leadership podcast that focuses on the key traits of those who lead their lives and others to the beat of a higher calling. Higher leaders are purpose-driven. Higher leaders are people-builders. Higher leaders make the world and those around them better. And for this particular episode of Higher Leading, I'm going to be talking to you directly. This is the first of many what we're going to call Chalk Talks with Jay. I'll just be talking about a topic, sharing my thoughts around the topic, and I hope you enjoy this. At least once a month we'll be doing this, and I'm excited to get started. The first Chalk Talk topic that uh, I'm going to share with you is something that I have found to be very true, very valuable as far as a way to live one's life. And that's living from the inside out. Living from the inside out versus the outside in. Creating a life, creating a emotional and spiritual being that allows us to think on our own with the guidance of a higher power and make decisions based upon who we are and what we stand for, what our core values are, what our guiding principles are, versus people who live on the outside in, and I used to be one of them, where we make decisions based upon what the world is doing or what people of the world are saying, or we are looking for happiness outside ourselves, which is kind of a slippery slope. Been there, done that. And when I was creating some notes around this topic, my mind went back 30, almost 36 years ago to a time that I felt completely empty. And it's hard to live from the inside out when you're just empty. You feel like there's nothing inside. And to give you a little bit of background, for those of you that don't know me, I'm a recovering addict, drug addict, and alcoholic. I've been in recovery since August 9th, 1987. And I had about five years in the 1980s from 82 to 87 where drinking and drugging, uh, especially the drugging part, just eventually got worse to a point where I got addicted, had no power over it. And it bankrupted me in all aspects of my life. And only by the grace of God and the power of Jesus Christ and his ways and the 12 steps which derive from Alcoholics Anonymous am I even sitting here today speaking into a microphone, sharing with you what I feel are some key points about my journey. So that moment when I was just feeling empty, it actually was a culminating, I'll call it a a crucible moment because the last year or so of my using, I was just this empty shell of a person. Nobody really knew it. I I would be what you would call a functional addict and still working, but people started picking up on things and 
and slowly but surely became obvious to those closest to me that I had a serious problem. So I went to Green Hall Chemical Dependency Center on August 9th, 1987 to seek help for my problem. And the joke around the Meyer household is that was the day that my wife kicked my butt, threw my butt into treatment. She was a part of an intervention team that did a great job of proving to me what I was so heavy in denial about that I had a serious problem and I needed to get help. So I get into treatment. I was an opioid addict. If you want the whole story, my latest book was published in 2019, Victory Over Opiates. I chronicle my journey through addiction through 50 lessons that I share from that time in my life. Want more detail? You can get the book on Amazon, Victory Over Opiates. But I went to the treatment center, had a horrible time with withdrawals. Opioids just grab the inside of your body. And it, it, when you don't keep feeding your body those, it turns you inside out. So when I finally thawed out, I was probably about 10 days into it, started kind of seeing life in a different way, thinking maybe, maybe, just maybe I could stay sober one day at a time because that's how they talked about it. It's always a, a one day at a time process. You don't talk about staying sober the rest of your life. It's just like today, I've been sober 35 and a half years, but all I have is today and all I'm worried about is staying sober another day, to live another day without having to drink or drug. So I started feeling some hope. And then about two weeks into my treatment stay, a gentleman from the Drug Enforcement Administration showed up at the treatment center and asked to speak with me. And some of you may know this, others may not, but I'm a pharmacist. I was a pharmacist back then. I was feeding my habit by stealing drugs from the pharmacies I worked at. I'm not very proud to say that. I'm ashamed. It was disrespectful to those people that were in charge of those pharmacies, disrespectful to my profession, and disrespectful, of course, to myself, my family, those who love me. Cool thing is, going through the 12 steps where I am today is I, I made amends. I'm at peace with all that, even though I sometimes still shake my head and I can't believe that it happened. So a guy's name's Fred Williams. He's from the Drug Enforcement Administration. He shows up at the door, Green Hall Chemical Dependency Center, wants to talk to me. I knew that I was now in trouble. Found out that one of the pharmacy directors at one of the pharmacies I worked had reported me to the State Board of Pharmacy, the DEA, and, and local law enforcement. So now... Of course, my mind starts running. It's another reason we learn how to stay in today. We start projecting often as alcoholics and addicts and creating these scenarios that just seem overwhelming. It's like, why go on? Because I'm thinking I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to lose my family. I'm never going to practice pharmacy again. And I'm going to be a disgrace, considered a disgrace to my community, those around me. If you, if you happen to pick up my book, Victory Over Opiates, you'll find out. None of that happened because of this moment I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes. So I talked with Fred, the DEA agent, and I told him everything. And he even said to me, he said, if ever there's a moment in your life, Jay, for you to be honest, it's right now. Because there's, I, I've already been to the pharmacies where you were working and there's so many drugs missing. You're going to have to convince me that you aren't selling drugs too, which is going to be 
big, big trouble. So I told him everything. I mean, I, I had developed a 25 to 30 day pill a day habit. It wasn't only popping down opioids, but there was speed, there was barbiturates, and, and I was a mess inside. On the outside, like I said, it was still somewhat functional. But inside, I was a shell of myself. I was empty. And after that moment with Fred, I never felt so empty in my whole life. I was deflated. I knew that that life, as I knew it, was done. It was over. And of course, that's all I knew. So I was scared to death that what, what was in store for me. So that night after Fred left and that evening, you know, we had like curfew at the treatment center. We had to be in bed at a certain time. And I was just laying there wide awake. Finally, I got up and went out and asked the, the resident supervisor that for that night, I said, do you care if I just go down to the lounge and sit, think, maybe pray? And he said, sure, no problem. Don't be there all night. You need to try to get some sleep. And I said, all right. So I go down to this lounge, the treatment center it was downstairs from where the living quarters were. And I can still picture this. And for those of you that have lived as long as me, you may remember the plastic, sterile looking orange couches and chairs that you would see in medical centers. So I'm sitting on this orange cushioned couch all by myself and basically feeling as empty as I ever felt in my life. It was in that moment that I started conversing with God. Now, that was 1987. I'm 28 years old. I don't know a whole lot about God. I had my parents. I, we went to church. I didn't like church. I knew about Jesus. Jesus always intrigued me, I have to admit, but I didn't know enough about him in 1987 the way I do today to really make any headway with that. But I started just talking to God. And that's something I have found out over the years. God will meet you right where you are. Don't ever think you have to get cleaned up or in a certain condition, certain state for God to be there to listen to you. But my conversation with God was basically like this. I have screwed my life up royally. I know it. I am willing to pay the consequences, and I know there will be consequences. And if I never practice pharmacy again, Lord, so be it. If I happen to lose my family, Lord, as much as I don't want that to happen, so be it. If people in the community laugh at me, I lose my reputation because of this, so be it. But I want to start following you. And I promise you, and this is the part that I remember specifically, I promise you, if you can use me to help prevent others from going down the path I went down, I will never say no to you. And in that moment, when I look back on that, because I had prayed a few times leading up to my treatment center stay, the most powerful prayer was the night before I went into treatment when I just basically said, God, help me. It was like, you either help me or I'm just going to take my life because this is horrible. But it was in that moment that I quit negotiating with God. Because a lot of my prayers during my life, because, you know, I wasn't like a, in trouble all the time, but I had my share of close brushes with the law and 
you know, wrecked three of my family's cars within an 18 month period when I was in high school. I, I was just kind of known for being irresponsible and, and doing stupid things. And, and I'd always would negotiate with God back then, the God that I knew back then, you know, if, if you'll help me with this situation, I will never do this again. If you'll get me out of this problem, I will never do it again. You know, this was my first time where it was just complete surrender, basically opening up me and saying, God, here I am. You called me, I'm here, or when you call me, I will be here. It was in that moment, it's like I got filled up again. And I know now it was the Holy Spirit. And I had accepted God, not a transactional God or a God to negotiate with, but this God who just wants all of me. And I was so empty, so broken, so shattered that there was nothing keeping him out, but just my personal will. And I said, there I am, God, I'm going to do whatever. I'm never going to say no. And I've kept that promise. And I look back on that moment and I've pretty much been full since then. And that's when I started learning how to live from the inside out. It was in that treatment center where every morning we would get up as a group and we would do a morning devotion together. And then we would go off by ourselves and pray to our higher power. That was a cool thing about AA. Because at that point, I was kind of anti-religious, didn't know a whole lot about Jesus. I didn't want anybody cramming God down my throat. But I could buy into this higher power thing. And I'd go off and I'd just basically say... You know, I called my higher power God back then. God, keep me sober another day. And the most powerful prayer we find in the AA community, in the 12-step community, is it's really entails the first three steps. I can't, you can, I think I'll let you. You know, there comes that point where we realize I can't do this alone. I know you can. I know with the help of you, I can get through this. And then it's a matter of being willing to let that happen. And I've been doing that for 35 and a half years every morning, basically coming to God as an empty vessel and saying, fill me up, direct me, guide me, help me make the right decisions, help my decisions, help the work that I do today be pleasing to you. And then I get up when I go to bed at night, I thank him. I take an inventory of anything maybe that I shouldn't have said, shouldn't have done during the day ask for forgiveness, get up the next day, start again. It's inside out, starting with my spirit. And when you live inside out, you're not so dependent upon the world. And the world's been crazy lately. I mean, you know, the pandemic, all the political divides, various different tragedies. And if you're living and your attitude and your emotions are driven by what's going on in the world, it's real easy to have anxiety. It's real easy to be depressed. But if you're driven by a power greater than you, today it's the Holy Spirit through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'll get into that another day on another topic. And that's my belief. And, and there may be some non-believers on this, and I love you. And there may be some people on here that believe in a different God, and I love you. But the bottom line is, what's inside you helping you do right? Are you living from the inside out? So 
It was about eight months after I got sober. There was a group of parents in my hometown of Covington, Ohio, that got together and we were really having a serious drug problem in our community. I was like, we need to do something to help shield our young people from this. And so long story short, and I was on this steering committee, we created what was called the Covington 5th and 6th grade overnighter. It was a two-day event. We'd go off to a camp. Kids would stay overnight. And it was focused on helping the kids make healthy life decisions. And at some point, I can't remember exactly what year it was. It wasn't the first year because I was still falling out, man. I, I was just there because I wanted to help people not go down my path. But I wasn't to a point where I was willing to share with the kids my story. And, and of course, it was still up in the air whether I was going to ever practice pharmacy again, whether I was going to go to jail. But I would say probably about three years into this overnighter journey. And by the way, so I, just so I don't forget, the overnighter is as old as I am sober. And they, they keep having it every year. I mean, I go out every other year and tell this story that I'm about to tell you. I call it my star speech that I share with the kids. So it was probably about the three-year point. I created this little talk. And it's really, it's for all of you. It's not just for kids. But if you're someone that says, I'd like to start living from the inside out, Jay, give me some key points on how to do that. Listen for the next 20 minutes. You're going to get it right now. So I picture all of us having some type of positive energy, positive spirit inside our soul, inside our spirit. It's there. I mean, we're born with that. But it's up to us whether we tap into it. So I would encourage you right now to picture a star inside of you. That's your own personal star. That's the star that your creator has placed in you and said, it's up to you to keep this lit. And I will be here for you to help keep it lit, but it's up to you to make it shine so you can shine around others and shine to the world. So picture a five-pointed star, okay? And just kind of, you know, you can draw it on a piece of paper right now. Star with five points. This is the star that's inside you. Once again, this is learning how to live from the inside out. There are five points on this star, and there's a, a middle to the star. And when I do this presentation with the fifth and sixth graders, I draw, I take a flip chart in, and I draw this star. And then I just go around it. I start at the bottom left. If you're looking at it, it's to your left. And I go clockwise. I place a P, the bottom left. I place the letter E at the second point going clockwise. And the very top is the apex of the star. I put an A. And then I go to the right. And I put a C in that point of the star. And then I put an E on the bottom right point of the star. And in the middle, I draw a lowercase t. Now, if you just wrote this down on a piece of paper, you'll see you've got peace. And for those of you that may follow me on Eagle Launch, I sign everything off with P-E-A-C-E, P period A, E period, A period, C period, E period. Because I believe so strongly about the acronym PEACE, and I'm going I'm to share that with you in a minute. And that middle point, the lowercase t, stands for the truth. And for those of us who are Christ followers, we know who the truth is. 
But for the kids, we talk about being true to ourselves. The first letter, the P, and I did write a book called In Search of Peace, also available on Amazon, that goes into more detail about my peace acronym. So to keep your star shining, to light your star and keep it lit every day, we have to work on each of the five points in the middle. And that first point, the P, I often ask the kids, how many of you have a dream? And they'll all raise their hands. And I'll say, how many of you have written down a plan with how you will accomplish that dream? Now all the hands go down. And I tell them, a dream without a plan remains a dream. It's not going to happen. And over the years, I found that the P is even more than having a plan for your dream. But it's knowing your purpose. It's knowing what you're passionate about. It's knowing your guiding principles, who you are, what you stand for, what guides your behaviors. That P just becomes so important. And if you live long enough, you'll eventually, through knowing what you're passionate about, will know what God's purpose is for you in your life. And that's a cool thing. When a light bulb goes off for people, it's always amazing to me when a person says, oh my gosh, I'm living my purpose. This is so cool. So the P, dream with a plan. What's your purpose? What's the purpose God's given you? What are your passions? What are your guiding principles? And then we go clockwise up to the E. E represents effort. You can't accomplish a dream or the plan for the dream without putting forth effort, right? My dad used to tell me, I used to play a lot of basketball back in the day. And he'd say, practice makes perfect. No pain, no gain. And I used to shoot thousands and thousands of, of shots, but basketball, and I would keep track of it. And there was this little jingle I heard when I was at basketball camp. I was a seventh grader, going to be an eighth grader. And, and they would bring these various successful coaches in to speak to us each day. And this one coach who was a one of Ohio's best high school coaches ever, Paul Walker from the Middletown, coach of the Middletown Middies, he said, he goes, here's why you have to practice, because you will never, ever stop improving if you keep practicing. And then he said, good, better, best, never let it rest to your good is your better and your better is your best. In other words, what was once your best is now just good. What was once your better is now just good. You just continue to improve no matter what it is. And I am a lifelong learner, a lifelong grower. And for those of us who want to keep our stars lit, it's one thing to have know our purpose and have a plan, but we have to work for it. We have to put forth positive effort. The apex of the star, the top point of the star is A for attitude. And I put there, that there purposely because your attitude affects all points in all parts of your star. Zig Ziglar said it many years ago, your attitude determines your altitude in life. If you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. And you know, I don't get into this when people say, you know, if you believe you can achieve a dream, you can, you can achieve. I mean, part of the dream has got to be realistic. But I always thought that when I was running the pharmacy, and by the way, like I said, you can read my book, Victory Over Opiates, but I was able to keep my pharmacy license and I ended up leading that pharmacy on an amazing journey. And that was all because every day I'd get up and fill that empty space with God. I'd light up my star every day with God 
as the batteries to the flashlight shining that star every day. But I think about that time as a pharmacist, and I was in that profession for 30 years, but I always had this desire to speak, to be an encourager of others. I mean, my mission statement for my life today is to inspire others to dream more, be more, and live in the light more. I believed I could do that. I had to learn how to speak. I had to learn how to write. When I wrote that down as a, as a future vision for my life after I got out of pharmacy, I've been doing it now for 12 years and I'm having a ball. I'm having a ball. It's like every day I get to get up and live my mission, no matter what I'm doing, help others dream more, be more, inspire more. So your attitude determines your altitude. And there's this part of your attitude is called a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you think about uh, how you talk to yourself, you'll become that. If you think bad thoughts, if you think negative thoughts, if you say you can't do it, you won't be able to do it. It's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you say, I can do that. And I was just listening to a podcast this morning where the lady that was being interviewed was the Ed Milet show. And she was talking about the dream becomes reality once we take action. If we sit and think we're going to be able to plan everything out perfectly before we take action, because the dream evolves as we take action. So you can't let negativism and negative thoughts prevent you from chasing your dreams, from living your God purpose. If you think you can, you can. The next point on the star, continue to go clockwise. We now have PEA, and the next one is C for community. Something I've learned over the years, nothing great in life happens by doing it alone. We had a really, really successful high school basketball team my senior year. And yeah, I made All-State and had some cool achievements, but it, it wasn't because of me that, we were, that the team was successful. It was the team. It was the teammates. It was the players on the bench that barely got into a game that practiced hard against us starters every day. It was the, some of the starters that very seldom shot the ball that would pass me and my, my running mate, Joe Hitchcock, the ball, who scored the majority of the points. Nobody cared because we won. When I had the pharmacy business, we had an executive team that people asked me, why was your pharmacy so successful? We had an unbelievable culture and we had an unbelievable executive team. Think about my college basketball experience. My final year in college. The team we had was amazing. We at one point ranked number one in the nation. It wasn't about me. It was a team. Nothing good in life happens by doing it alone. I think about my family. Our team is a family. The devil likes for us to isolate. The devil likes for us to get by ourselves. Because most of us, maybe not you, but me, my, my, my mind's like a bad neighborhood. I should not go there alone. I need to surround myself with good people. So the community piece is we need to be coachable. We also need to be willing to coach others. My success in business, I had some mentors that I attribute much of my success to. People I would talk to, meet with, have lunch with, help me grow. I do that a lot today. Young people reach out to me and ask if they could talk, or maybe do a Zoom or maybe do a lunch, have a coffee. I go back to that moment in time when I told God, I won't say no to you again, because I believe God brings people to us all day long. People are asking for help. You can't keep what you have unless you give it away. 
Think about that. We are called to give our time, our talents, and treasures away. We're not called to keep them. Once again, living inside out. If I was living outside in, it'd be all about things, accumulation of things. I'd have the scarcity mentality. I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to give anything. Wouldn't want to share anything. I have an abundance mentality. That's what living from the inside out's about. That's why it's important that we keep our star lit every single day. We have a plan. We put forth effort. We have a positive attitude. We interact effectively with the community around us. And the last E, the final, the second E, the last point of the star is another E, and that stands for energy. We can have the greatest plan in the world, put forth the most amazing effort, have the most positive attitude, hang out with the coolest people, have the greatest mentors, pour into other people. But if we aren't taking care of ourselves, none of that matters. If this point is not lit, the other four points suffer immeasurably. How well do you take care of yourself? Are you eating right? Are you sleeping right? Are you exercising right? Are you putting the right things in your brain? It's so easy to get intoxicated with bad content today. It's everywhere. I mean, I have to block that stuff off my social media feeds. There's always things popping up, wanting me to go down rabbit holes and conspiracy theories. I don't have time for that. If I want to keep my star lit, I don't have time to worry about things that are external. Once again, live from the inside out. Don't let the outside Dictate how you feel inside. Live from the inside out. Keep this starlit. The middle of the star, very, very important piece, if not the most important piece. I said to draw lowercase t, but that's a cross representing your higher power. Start every day by tapping in to God. And for me, that's Jesus. And he will help. He will help you light the other five points of your star. And I speak all this with experience. I live an okay life. There's some people that want to build me up into being something bigger than I am. You know, I write a blog to, to, to help fulfill my mission statement of, of helping people dream more, be more, and live in the light more. I started this podcast, but I'm just like you. I got feelings. I'm a human being. Going to have ups and downs. Going to have challenges. But the difference for me, committed to living from the inside out. I'm committed to having my star shine. So when I walk into a room, I lift the energy level of that room. And I don't have to say a word. I don't have to tell anybody anything about what I'm doing. Sometimes that drives me crazy, man. People out there telling the world all the cool things they're doing. Those that talk the least do the most. Just by walking the walk. Are you living from the inside out? Or are you living, letting other people, places, and things dictate to you how you need to be? I've been on both sides of that track. For years, I was this chameleon. I'll be whatever you want me to be. I remember early on in treatment, we had group sessions. And my counselor, we'd go around and, we, and we'd, each morning, we'd have to share like five feelings that we had. And for the first week or two, I just, I don't, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. Because most of my life, I would feel however you wanted me to feel. Now I'm sober, the vessel's empty, the vessel's open, live from the inside out, live from the inside out. Start every day with that empty vessel. Start with the middle of your star saying, God, I can't, you can, I think I'll let you do it another day. Take a look at your plan for your day, commit to putting forth your best effort, 
Commit to bringing an effective attitude to every situation. Commit to bringing life and energy to the community around you. Commit to taking care of yourself, giving yourself energy, but taking care of your physical, mental, and spiritual being. It's simple, but it's not easy. But for me, it's become a habit. It's what I do. I get up every morning. I'm in the Word. I'm praying. I'm meditating. I read good stuff. To start with that second E from the energy level, putting good things in my mind. I work out. I have a healthy breakfast, you know? So if you look at me, I start with the middle, with God, with my prayer, my devotion, meditation. But then I'm right down there to the second E, that point, giving myself energy, putting right good stuff in my head, eating right. Because the next thing I do is I work out, work out every morning. I exercise every morning. When I've got energy, look out plan, look out effort, look out attitude, look out community. Are you living from the inside out or the outside in? I'm going to close this first Chalk Talk episode with a story from my Victory Over Opiates book. And it's lesson 50. It's the final lesson in the book. And it's really for those of you that are just sitting there today thinking, man, I don't know. I, I know I need to make some changes, but is there really any hope for me? So just let me read you this little story. It starts out with a quote. For those of you that know me, I'm, I'm big into quotes. And this is my own quote. If you trust in God, fasten your seatbelt and get ready for some amazing stuff to happen. Boy, if that's not just some unbelievably powerful stuff. If you trust in God, fasten your seatbelt and get ready for some amazing stuff to happen. So here's the story. Late in the evening on September 29th, 2018, I was running alone down a side street in the quaint village of Cambridge on the eastern shore of Maryland. Street lights and members of the small village marked my path to a place I had never been. Kind of reminds me of that time in the treatment center when I was scared to death. Emotions were welling up inside of me as I turned the final corner of my run. I was now on the home stretch of an incredible journey. On this final trek, huge spotlights illuminated the path to my final destination. People were on each side of me, forming a human tunnel of encouragement as I headed to the finish line. At 10.36 p.m. on that beautiful fall evening, I crossed the finish line of Ironman, Maryland. Early in my recovery, my counselors encouraged me to make exercise a part of my recovery program. I have an active mind, which is not a unique trait for people with addictive disorders. Exercise helps calm my mind and my nerves. I've always been a jock who enjoys competitive sports. In the early 2000s, I decided to take up the sport of triathlon. A triathlon includes swimming, biking, and running in consecutive fashion. The pinnacle of the sport of triathlon is an Ironman. In an Ironman triathlon, the competitors swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and run 26.2 miles, which is a marathon, consecutively all on the same day. Less than one hundredth of one percent of the people in the world have completed an Ironman triathlon. When I crossed the finish line of Ironman Maryland, I pointed to heaven and thanked God. That moment of thanks wasn't about me finishing an Ironman. 
It was about all the blessings recovery had bestowed upon me. Without recovery, Ironman Maryland is one of many accomplishments which never take place in my life. When I look back to August 9th, 1987, the last day I put drugs and alcohol in my body, I look back in total amazement because of everything I see. A fun-loving and beautiful wife whom I grow deeper in love with as the years roll along. Children and grandchildren whom I am proud of and love dearly. Parents and in-laws who are so proud of the man I became. A successful career in business with hundreds of cool and interesting people I formed relationships with along the way. Hundreds, if not thousands of alcoholics and addicts I've been able to lend a hand on their journey. Most importantly, a relationship with Christ, whose death and resurrection made it possible for me to have many second chances. The most important one being this amazing journey called recovery. If you're reading this book and struggling with addiction or some other form of bondage, please understand there's hope. I know what it's like to be in the pits of hell wanting to die and thinking there's no hope. God thought different for me and he thinks different for you too. There are only two steps in recovery. Start and continue. There are only two steps in creating a better life. Start and continue. There's only two steps in creating a new habit. Start and continue. There's only two steps involved in living from the inside out. Start and continue. The best time to start is now. Now close this out with Matthew. As I close the lesson out in my book, Victory Over Opiates. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I can definitely relate to that verse. And I hope you can too. Thanks for joining me on this first in many episodes of Chalk Talk with Jay. Thanks for joining me on this first Chalk Talk with Jay episode. And I always like to summarize each one of my podcasts and key takeaways, hopefully for you all from this podcast. Number one, God will meet us wherever we are in our journey. Number two, he does his best work when we present ourselves to him as empty and needing him to fill us with his spirit. Number three, living life from the inside out is living life in a much more peaceful and simpler manner than living from the outside in where the world dictates how you feel inside. Being proactive, starting each day by lighting your star up, starting in the middle of your star and tapping in to a higher power and then working on all five points of your star and taking that higher power with you and saying, you know, I don't really feel like executing plan today, Lord, can you give me the energy I need to make that happen? Lord, help me put forth my best effort. Help me present with my most effective and positive attitude in all situations. And Lord, may my light, may my energy radiate into the community 
that I interact with on my journey on this day. And Lord, give me the discipline to do the things I need to do to give myself energy by eating right, sleeping right, putting the right stuff in my mind and by physically exercising. Living from the inside out, I've said this before, it's simple, but it's not always easy. But if you can start every day determined to light your star up before you do anything else, you're going to have an abundance of fantastic days, an abundance of living your God purpose. At the end of the day, you're going to feel more fulfilled when you live from the inside out versus the outside in. Thanks for joining us on this journey. There's going to be more. And as I close on this, the first ever Chalk Talk with Jay, I leave you with my mission statement. Go today, dream more, be more, and live in the light more. Take care, everyone.